Welcome to The Last Rung, a light-hearted podcast for the self-employed, getting to the heart of the many influences that can help you to thrive in your solo life and make the switch from an employed to a self-employed mindset. Unedited and uncensored, the inspirational chats with those who have taken the leap will provide realistic actions for you to take away, the chance to learn from others' experiences and help you see that you are not alone, even when working from the spare bedroom in your PJs and fluffy slippers and you haven't left the house for days. I'm Helen Hill, author of Falling Off the Ladder, owner of learning design business Unlikely Genius, business coach and co-founder of environmental initiative Be The Future. I'm now on a mission to help the self-employed really embrace the freedom that allows them to be fully themselves, to thrive and to leap off the last rung of the career ladder for the final time. Come and say hello at fallingofftheladder.com or over on Instagram where you can find me as Falling Off The Ladder. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like this episode. But first, let's introduce you to this week's guest. Welcome to episode four of The Last Rung. In this episode, we have Penny Brazier, a copywriter, content strategist and tone of voice geek, aka the Mighty Pen. Love that business name, by the way. I've followed Penny ever since we both took part in Write 52, an initiative around writing a blog post every week for a year, where I was captivated by her writing and the brilliant topics she picked and her knowledge of music, and then took part in her Mighty Messaging course, where I worked with her one-to-one and saw her superpowers in action. We even managed to meet in real life in 2021 for lunch, the actual flesh, so with no further waffle, welcome Penny, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, that New Year phase, isn't it, where you're kind of finding your feet again, Yeah, <laughs> remembering no, what you actually do. <laughs> yeah. Getting so, used to the cold a little bit as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's about to snow right now, so we're, we're bracing. Could happen while we're recording, who knows? It, it probably could, actually. It looks a bit that way outside. So and I think it's starting at our side and coming towards you. You're not that far from me, so I'll yeah, let you know when it's on its way. <laughs> so before we begin do you want to introduce yourself a bit tell us more about what you do and who you do it for yeah so um, I'm Penny and I work as a freelance copywriter and content strategist and basically I sort of help brands and businesses who are trying to be a bit more authentic in their marketing and trying to get the stories of what they do um, out there online in a way that really engages their ideal customers Right. Yeah. And there's a, I think there's a key word there, isn't there? The authenticity. That's something that um, I really advocate for. And I think you do it fantastically, actually. You know, even in your own brand, uh, never mind what you do for your customers, um, you come across really well and always seem yourself, which is really lovely to see. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And I think when we were working together, um, when you were doing Mighty Messaging, I think that's one of the reasons that we connected so well was that I was obviously mm. the thing that you wanted to do um, so much more of. And it's almost just having somebody there to give you permission, isn't it? To say, yeah, you know, you're ace. And <laughs> why wouldn't people want to hear from you um, and the things that you actually want to say rather than we have this tendency, don't we? Particularly, I think particularly when we very first start out, um, and I think we've all done it, that kind of thing of, oh, I need to be professional. I need to be a business and taking yourself sort of, put, I don't know, just saying what you think people want to hear instead of what you might actually want to say. Um, there's a bit more overlap there than I think we sometimes give ourselves credit for. Oh, definitely. And it's quite funny, actually, looking back at 
how long was it that I did that with you? It was over a year, wasn't it? it uh, pre-pandemic, I think. I think it was. I think it was, I, I think it was in the the great year of twenty twenty. I think it was in the <laughs> pandemic year. Yeah. yeah I oh, think was it? Did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because looking back like yeah I was really at that point of I was about to launch my course and I was feeling really impostery yeah definitely yeah. and I know this is something that I'd put down that to come to actually to talk about um because yeah like you say it is about having that permission and you I mean we might as well jump to what I was going to say about but you gave you told me to bathe in my expertise which was brilliant <laughs> and it has really stuck with me ever since um so do you want to tell people about what that was what that exercise oh, was well, the bathing and expertise trick um yeah I think imposter syndrome is such a kind of I mean it's not I hesitate to even call it a syndrome I think it's almost like an inevitability um and I think yeah. people have it when they're working you know in an employed job but once you're in the freelance world it kind of has this life of its own doesn't it because you're in your office on your own most of the time and you have the your overthinking tendencies which some of us have anyway naturally yeah. <laughs> are kind of exaggerated so you naturally start questioning things and wondering i don't know you start comparing yourself more to other people you can't benchmark yourself in the same way that you used to because you don't have direct kind of colleagues anymore so you know the crazy brain can kick in quite easily so i think having little tips and tricks to try and get yourself out of those things can be really helpful and also having community of people who you can speak to who can you know g you up and reassure you that it's all normal that can be really useful as well but to go back to the bath <laughs> <laughs> yeah plain people who don't know what the hell we're going on about um the bathing in your expertise trick is um a trick that i used as part of my mighty messaging um course that we did together and all you do is you take a piece of paper, you draw a large bath on the piece of paper or just a bath shape. There's no artistic skill required, <laughs> really. And then in that bath, you write um, words that describe your whatever it is that you're trying to sell. So that could be your business or if you're launching a course, the course or whatever it is that you're trying to sell. You write down words that apply to your business or whatever it is. Um, so say for... Um, safer falling off the ladder you could put something like you know wise and uh, encouraging but also things like warm and friendly and funny and all those things that you just sort of naturally think of off the top of your head and then once you've got those you start to go into your kind of reviews and testimonials and start to pull out things that other people have said um, about the thing and so you fill this bath up with all this kind of really nice uh, evocative words um and then what you want to do is just imagine that you're running a bath that is filled with all these words and just close your eyes and imagine yourself sitting in it and immerse yourself in those words and in that feeling and it can be quite emotional I think yeah. actually to have especially when it's other people's words I think they tend to hit us a bit more um deeply sometimes and yeah just to let it wash over you and then once you have that kind of feeling, then that's the time to sit down and write your promotional copy or because you've got that vibe, you're G'd up and you're like, yeah, do you know what? I do do that for people and I am encouraging and this book is going to change people's lives because it is. And so you kind of get rid of all those sort of doubting feelings and you, yeah, you can really go for it. And then that vibe will come across in your copy and whatever it is you're writing or whatever it is you're doing, I think it can be really, really helpful. Yeah, it really was. And it, I think the thing with it is that, like I talk about, you know, your book of epic wins where you record any every anything and everything that's happened, you know, big or small. It might just be a comment someone's made to you. And I've got my screenshots in a folder on my desktop of all my social proof and stuff. But I think 
the bath takes it to that next level of instead of just having it there in a visual thing and reading it and thinking all right yeah you are absolutely then like you say it's almost meditating on it of this mm-hmm. imagining it sort of wash over you and it's it does take it to that next level it's really nice um yeah and it is something that every now and again I've heard you head going bathe in your expertise Helen come on babe. <laughs> so if you but we forget we often forget to do it we often so yeah. focused on the work that we don't really reflect on the things that make us special all oh, that sounds really kind of lame but you know what I mean oh no it's <laughs> true and I think particularly when you're doing something that feels quite personal to you like for me writing the book or creating a course or something it's not so much about the client work for, for me that I was using it it was more for the stuff where you know you feel like you're putting your heart and soul out there a bit and I think that's it's really important to do it at those times oh um, my god because you're making yourself vulnerable aren't you and yeah. that can pick up all sorts of feelings about oh god you know what what if people don't like this what if this doesn't resonate with people and you just have to find a way to push through that yeah and I think it, it'd work as well for just not just when you're doing your work but if you're having a moment where comparisonitis hits like at the moment mm-hmm. I'm seeing all these posts about my new year's, new year's resolution my word for the year my goals my this that my that and I've written a few times this week about look if you just want to do you just do you and I think that comparison thing of everyone saying to me oh god I need to start a podcast I'm like do you need to if you don't <laughs> need to and you don't want, want to, to don't do it, it. Don't but do everyone it. else is doing it don't yeah. do it and I think yeah. it's those moments as well where you maybe need to sit and and let it wash over you a bit as well and think, oh, no, I'm really good at this. I will stick with that. And, you know, don't let yourself get run down the drain. <laughs> Let's keep yeah. the bath metaphor. <laughs> Definitely. And I think, you know, the freelance community is a wonderful, wonderful place to be. And it's so mm. inspiring. But as humans, we have this tendency to cherry pick all the best things of what these hundreds of other people are doing and then expect ourselves to do all of them like yeah no (laughs) yeah it's just never gonna work even if you wanted to do them all it would never work so you have to you have to find your own path otherwise you would just you know you'd be on the floor dead (laughs) oh yeah and I must admit like I mean I'm the master of taking on everything you know shiny (laughs) shiny object syndrome But I actually, I was telling someone yesterday that yesterday morning I sat at my desk and I felt a bit overwhelmed because I was like, oh my God, I've got this podcast releasing this week and my Be The Future one and, and loads of other stuff on. And I actually had to write on my um, notepad next to me, stop now, Helen. <laughs> Just no more things. Don't take on any more things this year. It's only the fifth <laughs> you've done you're already like going overboard so stop it and I think that's the thing like say you know I was just seeing all this oh yeah I could do that oh I could do that no stop it yeah exactly know your Um, limits yeah yeah that's the thing and I think you've got to find the bits you enjoy and the bits you don't don't you and it's um I've been binge listening to the work joy jam podcast where they're all talking about finding the joy in your work and you've really got to do that haven't you it's particularly as a freelancer and not every moment's yeah amazing, you but... I mean that's the advantage of freelancing isn't it that you get to do the work that makes you happy I mean that's the theory but really we're mm. a bit guilty sometimes of doing the, the shoulds rather than the things that really fill you up yeah yeah and I did that a lot last year took on projects I shouldn't so that's a big change going to be a big change this year but I mean you so you write every day in your work and one thing I wanted to ask you about was do you still find that joy and that passion in writing for yourself as well or do you find that 
And I'm speaking here as a, you know, designer that when I've designed all day, sometimes it's the last thing I want to do <laughs> late at night, but like, well, at any other time. But um, writing, I find very cathartic and I love doing it, you know, and I can quite easily pick it up late at night or something. Do you still find that passion for your own writing as well as for your clients? Um, I think that the the kind of, the, the mind is, well, I was going to say the mind is willing, but the body is not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> willing, but something else isn't. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I have been really good at doing that, and I think you know we know each other through Ed Callow's Write Fifty Two initiative, which was um, and still is a initiative to help people write more regularly. And having that accountability for me in that, I think twenty nineteen, where it was really you know everybody was it started, and there were loads of people on board, and that kind of momentum really carried me through and helped me. I think being part of the community. Um, uh, but the last year, or maybe even two years, I think sort of since pandemic, it's really dropped off for me. And it's not, I think I've kind of replaced it with other types of creativity. So I do a lot of music yeah. and I've taken up photography quite recently as well. And those things have sort of almost filled that gap, but it's not the same, you know. Um, and so one of the things I really want to do this year is to get back into writing for myself because you're right it yeah. is cathartic um mm. and it's yeah and it reminds you why you do what you do whether you know whether joy is in what you do so yeah I need to get yeah. back to it definitely yeah and I think sometimes you do need that bit of a break from it don't you that I you know I mean I do such a mixture of things but I can sometimes go weeks without doing some graphic design and then when I have to pick it back up again I actually really enjoy it and something I'm doing for Be The Future now is, is going to be all the illustration. That's going to be my life for the next four months. Um, and it's like you say, it's that different level of creativity from what I'm doing during the day. And, you know, I do my crochet and my weaving and, you know, it's like Victorian workouts downstairs. But like, um, it, I think that's the thing that a lot of people suddenly realise, isn't it? When you've got to immerse yourself in something every day, that there's different types of creativity out there. Definitely. For sure. Definitely. And I think I'm quite a victim of perfectionism as well. And I'm somebody who um, I spend a lot of time on my writing and part of the joy for me, I'm definitely not a just crank it out kind of a writer. I'm somebody who spends time kind of crafting things. I want every sentence to sing like, and that is the joy for me. That's the bit that I find the enjoyment in um, like the rhythm in, in the writing. Um, but that takes time. And so, and that takes energy. And I think sometimes I kind of stop myself from doing it. I'm like, well, I don't have the time to put in and the energy to put into this at the moment. So I just won't. Whereas actually, I think I just need to give myself permission to make my own art and make it bad sometimes or make it just average sometimes. Like, actually, that's that's OK. It's fine. doesn't matter if not everybody's going, oh, my God, this is amazing and sharing it all the time. It's fine. It's just fine. <laughs> you don't yeah. Have oh, to, that was something that... Phrase. Yeah, I mean, when I was a lecturer, that was something that, you know, I, I taught 16 to 18 year olds graphic design and they were so in that mindset of, oh, my God, it's embarrassing if I don't get this perfect every time and they wouldn't show their work to each other. And it was a real eye opener for me to basically spend two years saying to people, show your damn work, you know, get other people to comment on it. It will be better for it. And we do as adults, we get more and more perfectionist. But I think the thing you you particularly learn with writing is to step away isn't it yes to let it fester for a bit and get the as I called it with the book the shitty first draft down just yeah. get it down and out of your head leave it and then I came back to it and 
it's incredible the changes that you can make and how you can improve it for sure gosh yeah absolutely every piece of work is a journey and you know that first step can be quite embarrassingly bad and that's just it's just (laughs) fine it's just a phase that you have to go through (laughs) to get the result (laughs) yeah definitely I think uh you know and I'm realizing that everybody is doing that same thing we're all sitting there and and I think that's something that's shared quite a lot in the freelance community isn't it yeah. people especially with writers actually saying like you know you can sit and bang your head on a keyboard for three days and it's absolute rubbish but then you will just have that moment of oh no this is what I need to do and it's better now when you've left it and come back but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just made me laugh when people comment about that so <laughs> Going back a bit, because I've totally done this in the different order from what I planned, but we went freelance about the same time, actually, in 2018. So I think you were a month ahead of me. I was in the September, um, yeah. which, which I actually I'm surprised at that because I, from seeing you around, thought you'd been doing it ages isn't that you funny can... because I've always thought that about you as well I don't know maybe we just make assumptions don't we about <laughs> how yeah. been out there and maybe it's the imposter thing again of all seeing what the people are doing and thinking oh well they must have been doing it like 10 years but actually yeah so what can you tell us about the process of why you went freelance and how you did it and uh god I could probably talk about this for an entire day to be honest so I'll I'll try and keep it fairly brief um I think my kind of journey really sort of started in the May of that year I'd gone to a live event by um an organization called Pregnant Then Screwed who were helping uh mums who were had gone back to work and I actually went with some friends and I didn't think I sort of needed it for myself when I booked the tickets at the start of the year Um, But when the time came around, I was feeling more and more wobbly. I'd just been promoted. I had a small baby. I had two children at home um, and I'd just come back after my second maternity leave. And I was starting to feel wobblier and wobblier about um, my work and the position I was in and how happy I was. So I was kind of like starting to cast around for other things. And at that event, I went to, um, I met a lady called Helen Bryce, who runs the Guilty Mothers Club. And she was setting up a course called Game, or she'd run a course called Game Changers, um, which I ended up doing uh, over the summer. And it was just for mums who uh, didn't really know what they wanted to do. They were just at work, back at work and feeling a little bit lost. And I thought, yes, that's me. And it made me, I think because having that framework and community to work through things made me reflect a little bit about what I actually wanted from a job, which sounds funny to say, but I just never really thought about it. What do I actually want? What am I actually doing now? Oh my God, there's like literally no overlap. (laughs) There's no overlap. And it wasn't so much to do with the kind of work I was doing because I was still working in marketing communications, which I love. It was more about, I want to have an impact. I want to be able to be creative. I want to have autonomy um, and freedom and I want to have fun. And I was barely doing any of those things at all I'm like well, yeah. what, why am I here <laughs> and once I got that kind of seed in my head it was very difficult to think about anything else so I think from that point I was just counting down to getting out but I still didn't really know what I was going to do like I couldn't right. find another permanent job to go to that was would have been part-time so that was kind of off the menu um, and I'd managed to get some lecturing work at the film school which is attached to the institution that I was working for at the time. Um, So I knew that would give me some extra money. And I also approached a friend who 
was running a digital marketing agency at the time to see if she needs she had any work that she needed outsourcing just to sort of test and this again yeah. was part of game changes it's like experiment try and see if the work is out there before you say you can't do it so I tried and then the work was there and I was like right well if I can balance all these things then I'll set my leaving date so I didn't actually leave until the Christmas of that year um, I was still working in-house until Christmas but I officially set my business up in the August of that year um, doing a little bit of side hustling um, yeah, yeah so that was that was kind of the jump but I didn't I think even when I left at Christmas I didn't really know yeah. what I was gonna do I'd saved a buffer so I wasn't yeah. totally blind and I'd obviously thought about it a lot um, but I was very reluctant to say I'm gonna go and be a freelance copywriter because many many years ago at the very start of my marketing communications career I had done it before and it had gone badly for me right and so I was very kind of nervous about going there again. Uh, basically, I'd worked for a lot of content mills and I'd worked crazy hours for hardly any money. I'd got very burnt out. Um, and the thought of going back just made me feel a bit sick. <laughs> right. <laughs> to be honest. So I knew that if that was what I was going to do, I was going to have to make it, I was going to have to change my approach and my mindset yeah. to what I was doing to make it work. And a friend of mine, Laura McDonough, who's also a copywriter who you may have come across, um, she had left teaching, I think about a year before, um, and had gone and done freelance copywriting, and she was making a living, like she was making a living at it, she was treating yes. it as a career, and she was making a living, I'm like, well, if she can do it, I've got eight years of marketing communications experience, surely I can make this work, yeah, like, I have to be able to, it has to be in my head, um, it's, yeah, I've got to get my head straight and then, yeah, I've just got to do it. So it was about yeah. jumping in with both feet, really. Yeah, that's really interesting. I didn't realise that you'd kind of tried it before. And yeah, like you say it, I think that's what I see with some people that you they think freelancing is working for like Fiverr and content mills and stuff, don't they? And it's there's actually a whole different world out there. And sure some people do that and it is good for them and it's fine you know or if they're just doing it on the side I think it's quite good to do it that way but once you do it and you want to make a full-time living of it it does take something different doesn't it it's yeah you need to move it up a notch and yeah. I mean I could so easily have just gone back to the, if I hadn't needed to earn a living for my family at that point mm. I could have gone back to just earning pin money if we hadn't needed the money then maybe that's what I would have done maybe that is what I would still be doing and I think it's quite interesting that really the difference has been a mindset shift from me and also really embedding myself in those freelance communities where I could see people doing what I wanted to do and learning from yeah. them and that has really made the difference for me yeah that's the first thing I always say to people get in the communities and just look, even if you just observe if you, if you don't talk to people or anything look what they're talking about that we all have the same worries and look how they're launching and yeah it's they are val so valuable aren't they they hugely yeah. so absolutely absolutely so did you do anything specific to help you change your mindset at that point or was it just that you had that awareness and you had to shift your mentality of of the type of approach um or were there other things involved in that as well um so I suppose just having the awareness was the big first step mm. and then I think I was just so determined to prove everybody wrong yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I, I needed to leave that job and show yeah. everybody what I could do like I was so absolutely determined 
to be successful I don't think anything could have stopped me at that point and I think the big thing for me was just I knew I had to be really visible I mean obviously being in, being freelance when you work in marketing you know that anyway like yeah. you know that that is what it's about. <laughs> so you have that kind of head start you have to show people I suppose that's your calling card isn't it it's like look how I'm promoting myself I can do this for you and yeah. I think that was what it was for me and I was just everywhere and I told everybody what I was doing like everybody and that is quite hard to do sometimes but at that point I really you know all bets were off I didn't I didn't care no and it, <laughs> no self-consciousness like no input I, I just had nothing to lose at that point because I had nowhere else to go there was no way I was going back to that job so I just had to throw everything in and I think in some ways maybe not having a fallback helped there because you know I had to throw everything into it and I think that was probably the thing that helped my mind sh mindset shift the most was that I didn't have any other options <laughs> I had to yeah <laughs> I think I was very much the same because we've had a different route out I just had to throw myself out of the business that, that I was in and, and into freelance and still not actually thinking that I would make a living from it but um I was the same that I definitely had something to prove I had basically had a breakdown and wanted to prove that that was not me how I'd how I'd been behaving how I'd been so miserable how I'd been so disengaged from my work and unmotivated by the end and you know I, I couldn't bear to speak to people and that was not me at all and I really had something to prove so like you say that having that stubbornness actually is real rocket fuel <laughs> Yes, and you know it's so interesting because I think our stories in so, in some ways are very similar, and I, I think we were very mm. much felt that we were square pegs in where we were, and that our yeah. faces would just never fit. And I think once you get on the outside of that, and you start to put yourself out there, and you are you start to show a little bit of yourself. And the feedback you get from that just elevates you. It's yeah. just like this positive loop that just keeps spinning because the more you put out of yourself, the more people give you good feedback. And you're like, oh my God, actually, I can just be myself. And that's not a hindrance. That's actually an asset. That is actually yeah. thing that's going to make people employ me. And that's the reverse of what you've been told for, you know, possibly years. So you just want more and more of that good stuff. So you just, <laughs> so you keep putting it out there and it's, yeah, it's magic really, isn't it? It's such a good yeah. feeling. And it's so hard to believe at first, like yeah. when I started, because that was what I just wanted to be myself. And I've been told not to be, I'd be told outright, I would not succeed if I was myself. And I'd had to put on this front, and I do talk about this in the book for a long time. I'd had to try and pretend to be someone else. I'd been told to get in someone else's mindset. What would this other person do every minute of the day? And that's exhausting. And it does tear you apart. So once I started being myself, and like I'd had a customer comment that you're absolutely nuts, you know your shit, but you are crazy. And I was just like, I love that. I love that I can just be bonkers around her. We had wine calls on a Friday afternoon, supposedly to catch up with what I'd done during the week, but just ended up us chatting, you know. And, you know, we've built a friendship on that as well. And she, she's left the company and, you know, we're still friends and stuff now. But I I just found that the more people responded to the way I was, the more laid back I could be because I'd got so uptight and wanted everything to work perfectly and now I'm just like you know I'm going with the flow and stuff but it's incredible the change it makes it really is and and definitely how people respond to you not just in your community but your clients I do find that they they like you to be not so laid back obviously you're not doing anything and stuff but to know your stuff but just be calm about it and be flexible yeah. with them and still gotta have them boundaries that I'm still trying to establish but <laughs> 
And that's the line, though, isn't it? It's finding your boundary of how much you can be yourself yeah. and how much maybe just to no. rein yourself in a little bit. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was having a conversation about this this morning, actually, about being too apologetic in emails. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and just saying that I think when you work in house for a long time, you just you naturally have that kind of manner about all the communications you put out there. But actually, do you know what? You're running your own business. You don't need to apologize to anybody. No. You, <laughs> you just you're just doing business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, people get pictures of the rabbit's bums and all sorts of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are the rabbit's doing? Well, this is them this morning and stuff, <laughs> you know, but people actually, clients actually contact me about the rabbits more than they do to talk to me. <laughs> but that's the thing, because you've got the rabbits, it's something people will remember you then. Yeah. It's like the rabbits are part of your brand now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, that's amazing because that's a hook that stays in people's mind. Like that's that's powerful. Yeah, well, I was referred to by one client who his colleague couldn't remember me as that that crazy rabbit woman. So I was like, I'm I'm taking that. I'm sticking with that. Hey, if it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, they always say they used to say like you know in an interview wear like one piece of statement jewelry or something, didn't they? That someone will remember you or like a pair of bright purple shoes or. But yeah, like you say, it's just that thing that makes you a bit more memorable sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I was sort of told when I had one of my first job interviews, one of the best jobs um, that I had was uh, my eyeshadow was the thing that people Oh, wow. There you go. (laughs) I must admit, I noticed a conversation about that with Emma Cownley just just before Christmas, people saying her eyeshadow was spot on on lives. And I was like, oh, gosh, I've not worn eyeshadow in about five years, (laughs) if not more. You don't need eyeshadow. You've got the rabbits. Maybe you just need them on. uh, They just need to be on screen more. Well, yeah, well, I accidentally went live on Instagram on their account this morning. So. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, co-founder was like, do you know you've logged in as the rabbits? No. Oh, well, well. <laughs> they care about the environment, too. It's fine. So. <laughs> well, definitely do. Yeah. So uh, this links to something you've just been saying, actually. But we, so storytelling is a big part of what you do. And what do you think is the power in using it in your business then? And I suppose it's, it comes back to this, get uh, you know, finding the line of what you're going to share about yourself and things as well. But how do you think it's important for putting yourself out there? Um, I think as a freelancer, it's, um, I, I think it's, it's having that hook, isn't it, that people are mm. going to be drawn into. I mean, we're just bombarded with so much content, you know, ev- everywhere that if you can actually draw people in with a story that they remember, then they'll start looking out for the, the stuff that you do. Um, but I do think that, you know, you've got your little, you kind of little posts, like things on LinkedIn, you can have like little anecdotes and slice of life sort of stories that people enjoy, but then you've kind of got to think about the bigger picture of the story of your business. Cause people want to see mm. how you're going, like how you're building things up, what's next for you, what you're appearing on next you know, any challenges you've overcome. I think just people are naturally drawn to uh, to stories and it helps people stand out. And I think as freelancers, our advantage over larger organisations is that we can tell those stories in a really personal way and people engage with us because we're humans rather than just big, faceless kind of brands. And I think that's what big brands try and get a slice of that action by saying, right, how are we going to be more authentic? How are we going to humanise ourselves? We're, we're already doing it because we're a person. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to put all those hundreds of thousands of millions of pounds into that because we're already one person 
with one voice, we've got it sorted. So we need to use it and it can be really powerful. Yeah, and people get really intrigued by your backstory and stuff, don't they? The amount of times people ask me like where I've come from and how on earth I've ended up with my business name, things like that, you know. Unlikely yeah. genius is has become a real talking point with every client on first calls. They're like, where's this come from? And, you know, I'll talk about being the blonde clumsy fool and how people never expected me to be clever and then I got you know first class degree and a master's and, a, and they're like oh gosh you know and they don't know that stuff but yeah, there's such a story behind the name they love it yeah that's such a story yeah, yeah. and that exactly is the kind of hook that people will remember you for yeah and then when I fall down the stairs like this week and, they, and then and I can see <laughs> see I'm the unlikely genius my brain's still working my leg might not be now but <laughs> well there you go you've got still a story right there the story <laughs> of the, the battle of the leg <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, for anyone that is listening, I fell down the stairs between Christmas and New Year and I've uh, torn three ligaments in my ankle. But yes, so there we go. <laughs> the brain is still firing, though. We're OK. But um, yeah, and I think it comes to this human connection, doesn't it? So one thing that did strike me when we, with, with an early comment, though, was human connection is fantastic, but also it brings in the uh, comparisonitis and stuff as well, doesn't it? So, you know, what we were mentioning before about it's something you really have to build and you you talk about this quite a bit in your work and your storytelling. Um, what and how do you think is the most power, powerful way to build that, you know, and particularly kind of avoid that comparisonitis? Oh, God, it's so layered, isn't it? I mean, I suppose yeah. you just take the digital out of the equation for a minute and just think yeah. about like a bunch of people in a room. Yeah. <laughs> kind of talking to each other then inevitably you're gonna talk to you're gonna be nosy enough to want to find out about what people are doing <laughs> I always want yeah. to know about people so people will be asking lots of questions and people will be sharing things about themselves and people will be sort of like you know naturally when somebody tells you about themselves their story what they do you naturally compare yourselves that's kind of one of the reasons why you want to know isn't it it's like oh so this person has been working in the business for this long and, and they do this this well that's a bit like me and you know if you've got things in common that then draws you to them a little bit more you want to find out more and it's just that's just the, the layers of how humans interact anyway even without the internet in between all that um, yeah. but when it when it's kind of when you're sitting in your room on your own as a freelancer I suppose and you don't have the you, you know you have that kind of overthink thing that we were talking about earlier it's very easy to start to think everyone else has got it sorted then you couple that with the fact that people tend to present their best selves online yes. all the time as well that can really spin you out I mean for me personally I tend to surround myself with people who are quite candid about their lives and when things go wrong because I don't want to I don't want to be seeing all these polished people when I know it's crap no <laughs> when I know it's not true and it's just going to spin me out and make me feel bad about myself why would I do that like, I'm quite honest about you know I, I'm definitely not a, I don't share anything particularly about my personal life um but I do talk quite honestly about my business and the challenges and the pitfalls and things like that and I want to be able to say to people this happened to me yeah. And this is what I did to overcome it because it's cathartic for me, it helps other people and it helps me connect with other people as well. And I love that when I read that someone, when somebody else has shared something like that, like, oh my God, I just had, you know, six weeks of intense work and I burnt out and uh, these are the symptoms and this is what I did. And then I got better. It's like, oh God, yeah, lots of us have been through that and we can relate to that in some way. So 
I don't know. I think a lot of it is about curating your feeds to reflect the kind of people that you would spend time with anyway and to not not get spun out by the people who are presenting perhaps um an image that's not necessarily an accurate reflection yeah <laughs> not reality going for them yeah totally well i think that's it and i think certainly from for people that haven't been freelancers or self-employed i don't think there's always that understanding that we can share this stuff and it doesn't reflect badly and actually clients can really respect you for saying you know something's going on or you know and just being honest up front and it's going to affect a deadline or this that and the other and getting away from that like you say it's, it's one percent of someone's life you see if that so when someone's just going on about I've won an award I've done this and that, yeah that's great for you but I'm very much about yeah share both sides because as well that's when the the engagement and the connection is made like you say I mean to share a funny story about like something that's happened to you that's that's been a nightmare client or something the freelancers straight away are on it aren't they they're like I totally get this I've been there (laughs) always (laughs) we've all had one we've all had one of those moments (laughs) and it was yeah yesterday I'd looked at my computer at half four thinking do I give up for the day and I thought no right do till five o'clock and then I'd seen a post on Twitter which was about sharing nightmare stories and I was engrossed in that for a good 40 minutes and I was howling with laughter because you do sit there thinking it's not just me yeah you think there's a line um between you know if, if you feel uncomfortable or vulnerable or feel like you're sharing something you don't want to share then just don't, oh, don't, don't. don't yeah don't be vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable Uh, I know certainly on like mental health days and things like that there's sort of so many people sharing their stories which is amazing and powerful but you then feel this pressure you know should I be talking about my mental health journey or you know there's some stuff that you just have to keep for yourself I think my rule of thumb is to um I can't remember where I heard this it might have been like a Brene Brown possibly is to share um share from the scar don't share from the wound so if you're already if you're dealing with something at the moment and still feeling really raw about it just just wait wait till you've overcome it and then if you still feel ready and you want to share then share but definitely don't feel pressured to share anything personal that you that you don't want to share just be authentic whatever it can and and you can almost tell when people are doing that sometimes because it feels sometimes feels quite uncomfortable to read and you just feel so awful for them um so yeah I do think there is I do think there's a little bit of a balance to be had but it's just learning isn't it you just I think the more you do it the more confident you get in doing those kinds of things yeah and I think I mean I love that quote actually I'll note that one down but I very much felt that with the book that I couldn't have written that two years ago I was still definitely struggling with what had gone on and dealing with it and trying to get my head around it and build my confidence back up and it was funny because it was only just before Christmas someone was talking to me about how come you suddenly wrote it now and you know why why this moment and I think it was just because for a start I'd got into a writing habit and I'd realized how cathartic it was and I don't journal and stuff but I do find that writing about certain topics to do with mental health and mindset and stuff does really help and I'd just got myself to that point of recovery that I was like now I can share now I can help other people and that's then rewarding in its own way but there is there was a point with the book where I haven't shared fully how bad I got because for a start I don't think it was needed 
Mm. And that was just that boundary for me. That was just that level two personal. So I've been honest and I've shared everything. But like you said, there's a wound that, yeah, you shouldn't, sometimes you shouldn't go into it even you know if it has scared over and you've moved on I think isn't it and yeah definitely and, um, yeah. and I really hit the balance in the book I mean I felt because mm. I'd been through quite a similar journey and had quite a bad time myself I really to read your experience was quite healing for me and I still don't think I'm in a place I still feel very angry about what happened to me and I don't think I wonder if I'll ever really be in a place to sort of talk about it openly as well as obviously not wanting to get anybody into trouble um <laughs> yeah yeah don't worry about um, that one <laughs> but I just think yeah even for me even though if it was raw kind of reading uh your reflections on it which still you know it was they were still so powerful and felt so fully but you could tell that you were ready you were ready to move on and that there was you know so much more that you had to talk about in terms of moving into freelancing and like the amazing benefits and all that kind of stuff yeah. so yeah I think you smashed that it was great oh, thank you <laughs> I'm hoping I'm just I'm now, now in that procrastination period for book two where like my mentor's like hey come on get going with book two and I'm like oh because you think <laughs> oh god am I going to do it as well am I going to do it? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, difficult second oh. album <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> oh goodness so what what question was I up to where were we up to I've done all that. So, well, what's been your biggest challenge then when it's come to changing your mindset and how have you worked through it? What, what's been, well, has there been a specific thing or has it just been a general? Oh God, there's just been so shift. much. <laughs> it's yeah. like when you start, don't you? Yeah. When you, when you go into freelancing, you're just, that's the one thing that I was completely unprepared for was how much I would have to change my mindset, everything really about myself in terms of mentality I just I didn't know how much I would have to change and how much it would be an endless journey like it is an endless journey you have to keep growing and you have to keep want to growing and and change as well but I think the biggest thing probably the biggest shift for me was having had that early um kind of running with freelancing that hadn't gone very well and feeling really that I failed at being self-employed I think um to then go out there and to do it again and to make it such a success, it sort of taught me not only that you shouldn't be afraid of failure, but actually that failure is actually necessary and not only necessary, but maybe something that should be aimed for in freelancing. Like you, I think you actually have to try to fail because in trying to fail, you will, you'll grow and you'll try things that terrify you but that will that will force you to grow um so I think that's probably been the biggest shift for me and I'm you know saying all that I still find it really difficult to try new things but thinking about it in that way to aim for the rejections to aim for the failures because it means you're constantly constantly pushing yourself out of your comfort zone I think that that is what the really successful entrepreneurs and self-employed people are really good at yeah, oh, I love that. That's a little sound bite there that needs pulling. <laughs> that's brilliant. I think that was great inspiration. Yeah, and that, that's so true. I've read a bit about failure. I've been reading Atomic Habits last night as well, and um, he talks about it and that. And you, you do have to push yourself for that. And it was, it even comes back to things like um, your rates. You know, someone said last year in something that if you're getting accepted for every job, your rates are too low. 
you need yeah. to up it until about a quarter of your um proposals are a no and I was like that is genius I you know you think you're at the sweet spot when everyone's accepting you and actually no I should be charging more yeah, and yeah. it like you say that and then you might see it as a failure and we all have that moment when you've sent the quoting don't we of oh my god I should have done higher <laughs> lower oh no idea but um that's something I'm going to aim for this year to actually get some people go I'm not paying that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Make yourself a little chart and give yourself a gold star. Everyone goes, how much? Yeah. <laughs> what, per day? Ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I, I will. I've got some gold stars. I'll have to do that. But it, it does apply to everything, doesn't it? It's And it is something that, okay, yeah, it's shitty if you fail at something. But I, I see my previous career as that. I tried getting on that ladder. I tried getting up it. I tried getting promotions. I tried, And I was just always told I wasn't right for it or something something was wrong and I felt like I failed and failed and failed in every job and this is the first time in freelancing where I feel like I've actually succeeded I think pretty much every contract I've gone for I've got and things like that and it's I definitely had all my failures on the way there and that's the bit people don't see they'll Mm -hmm. see your business thriving and you're getting all this work and launching a book but they don't see all the crap that came before do they and it's you know this overnight success and that's the other thing he talks about in atomic habits is because of all those little changes and experiences on the way so yeah going on a bit of a <laughs> rant. well not a rant but a little preach <laughs> no absolutely and you know I think a lot of us have had quite squiggly careers to get mm. to where we are and it's quite tempting to say, I know I used to berate myself all the time for being bad at committing to things because I would do a career for a bit and then I would change to something completely different and then I would do something else and then I would do something else. I mean, writing's always been a thread, but I have done some quite various, like, different things through the years. Yeah. And I was like, what's wrong with you, Penny? You can't stick at anything. you always got to try something new and be something new. There's always a great new something. But actually, you know, that's not such a bad thing because doing all those things makes you so much better at what you're doing right now. You know, you needed to do all those things to, to be who you are, to smash whatever it is you're doing at the yeah. moment. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, I had what I called the two-year <laughs> <laughs> no I, I used to get the two-year hump as soon as I'd been in a job it was almost to the day two years I got really restless and you know was looking for other options because I wasn't getting pro- any progression I wasn't getting much of a wage rise if anything I was taking a dip with each job I moved to but yeah and I think you've got to you've got we see like it comes back to the Instagram thing and that as well doesn't it in the social media if we see all these glossy lives and think they've had it easy and you think oh yeah I can have that and actually, yeah, it's not. But freelancers in in general have had very similar experiences, I think, with... Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think the whole thing about having a like a career in freelancing anyway is that you sort of expect it to be messy. Yeah. I mean, so That's you true. kind of embrace that a little bit more than you might, than you might do if you're working in an employed job. And you kind of, you have to ride out the peaks and troughs that actually are just really normal in life anyway. Like, why do we expect to have these sort of successes and ladders and things that just come off the peg it's just when you think about it it's just that's not what humans are humans are messy humans are up and down and all over the place and I think freelancing is so much more of a mirror for that than working in an employed job is and yeah once you learn to embrace that I think you just you know it's so much more fulfilling for that reason I think yeah and I think the rewards do come eventually don't they and that that was something else I was listening to on a podcast the other day the Joy Jam one with Anna McNuff 
she was talking about how she was plowing away for so for like months and months and months at one thing and seeing no reward and her mum had said to her you're not getting paid yet but it will come back and it did and mm. you know the money and the the promotion and, and all this for the book and the adventure she was on and it if you keep at it it does lead to something I think would be my main yeah point from yeah. that it's just persistence isn't it it's yeah. persistence, but also knowing when something's not right for you when you need yeah. to make a change I think yeah. yeah it's not not giving up because something's not working for now there's always something to be adjusted or improved and then just get back out and try again yeah oh definitely yeah so do you think you'd ever go back to employed life um I thought about this question quite hard because I am the biggest advocate of freelance life and it has yeah. been life-changing for me in so many ways but then also I've been fortunate enough in my uh, working life to work in a couple of really amazing teams where people were really supported and trusted to do their best work and accepted for maybe being a little bit different. Um, And I think if that kind of opportunity came up again, I would find it, I would have to think quite hard before turning it down. But what I will say is I will never go back to full-time, a full-time permanent job again, definitely full-time. Um, because I can't give up what I've built. There's no. just no way. There's no way. I've, it's so much love that's been put into this business. There's just no way I could just ice it, even if it was only for, you know, a year or something. So Yeah. But yeah, I'm always very true. open to, I'm, I'm open to change. I'm very, I'm, like I say, I'm a squiggly career kind of person. Mm. <laughs> that's what makes life interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, this is, that's an interesting perspective, actually, to do it almost part-time or something. But mm-hmm. I suppose it's not, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And I, I don't know why I haven't considered that, because I ran Unlikely Genius on the side of working full-time for nearly 10 years, just doing little jobs. But um, I never really considered that you could go back and get a balance. But I think I'm just in, still in that, I don't know whether it's, is it rose-tinted glasses or what, or is it just that I love what I'm doing? You love what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) So I wouldn't want to, like you say, I wouldn't want to just give up all this now. And to be honest, I've written a book about the career ladder and the corporate world, haven't I? So I kind of burnt my bridges there anyway. But (laughs) wouldn't want to look quite the same, would it? Yeah. (laughs) But like you say, it does depend on the team and everything, doesn't it? And that's the thing I realise now, that even in freelancing, you can have you know people go for all these big brands and stuff but for me it's about the team you'd be working with and the topic you're working on rather than and even company processes I think that can ruin a job um it's always team is always number one for me yeah and I think working with good people is always number one even over the work that I'm doing it's so 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 important to me Mm. and as I said working in that environment I'm physically in the same office as people who are just like on fire and working really really well together it's it is a really special feeling um so you know but then having said that collaborating with people um and working in a team on a a freelance basis and working with organizations kind of on retainer and all that sort of stuff you can still get that you can still get that outside of an employed sort of life so I don't know nothing's really cut and dried anymore there's no it's not as black and white as being, you know, all this or all that. There's so many different kind of permutations that exist in between. <laughs> yeah. Not- what you need. So, yeah. I think I get more of that because of the nature of like e-learning and stuff as well is that the contracts can be quite long. So I do start to get embedded in a team hmm. quite often. There's the odd ones that don't. They literally like just give you the work and don't speak to you for six months. But 
Um, most of mine have been very, you know, they're just really nice teams where they do engage. And like I say, when you get to the point where you're having four o'clock wine calls on a Friday with your client, I'm like, yeah, that's my kind of customer. And I've worked with them for two years now, and now they've referred me on to the, a different division. So I'm now working with another one. And yeah, it just, if I think if you find the right teams to work within as a freelancer, you can certainly have that feeling as well, Definitely. can't you? I mean, I um, I haven't, I've spent the last kind of 12 months or so without a retainer client. I've just been in the wild west kind of doing <laughs> bits, you know, for different, lots of different people. And it's amazing for the variety. It's absolutely brilliant. It really fires you up. But actually, I, I think now I'm like, right, no, I, I think I'm ready to go back into doing something regular for a regular client again just because it's just so nice to have that consistency yes be the same face and to kind of know the processes already and all that stuff you know that's that's a nice feeling yeah and I'd like to drop some of the email addresses I've got because every client I work for seems to set me up on their system with an email address so I've got about eight to manage (laughs) and then like two 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 teams will use teams one will use zoom one will use skype and stuff and you're like oh where do I need to be (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need to cut that right back. Yeah, <laughs> There's a tip for you as a freelancer. Oh god. Oh, so what does 2022 hold for you? What's what's upcoming? So, well, hopefully more writing for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I will put yeah. that out there now. Um also um I have been uh I'm going to be the first guest editor for Freelance magazine, so I'm going to be working on that at the end of the month and so that is issue five which is the May issue I believe so I'll be working with Sophie and the team on putting that out which I'm really excited about because I absolutely have seen um it's amazing and if you don't subscribe then uh, already anyone listening yeah. then please go and <laughs> yeah. put it out because it's absolutely it's such a treat I've, I've worked on in-house magazines a lot in my sort of in-house oh, okay. career um and I know how much work goes into those things because yeah. I used to have to do them almost single-handed. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, it's brain melting. So for Sophie to pull that off uh, regularly and it just, you know, it's so sort of top level, impressive stuff. So I'm really, really yeah, it is. Um, And the theme that I've chosen um, is about transformation. So it's going to oh. be the Phoenix edition, but it, the idea is about um, stories of freelancers who have... Um, had a transformation of some kind so whether that is moving from the corporate world into freelancing to do something completely different or even pivoting a freelance business to change to something completely different again or to come back from some from a real setback whether that's a personal kind of setback in their lives to you know absolutely turn things around and kind of rise like a phoenix from the ashes that's what it's going to be all about so i'm really excited oh, to get stuck into that, that. Amazing. proper emotional yeah It'd be very inspiring for people yeah that's yeah, incredible so. yeah oh wow goosebumps I like it oh. I like it <laughs> and then you yeah and if you sign up now people then yes the next edition's involved. coming out at the end of this month I think isn't it yeah um, Freelance website yeah get on there yeah. do it up. do it <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah I'm so looking forward to that it was so chuffed when your name came up because I applied for it and then I was like uh, if, I, if I actually got it, I'd, <laughs> oh I, like, this. I don't need another thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> that and just imposter syndrome of everyone reading it and stuff and knowing how popular the magazine is. So when you got it, it was like, yes, <laughs> both on I, my imposter going, yes. And I just love the fact that you got it. So, oh, yeah, excited to see that. It's going to be great. 
I'll also, I'm also hoping to relaunch my Mighty Messaging one-to-one -one, um, course, which obviously you've done. Yes. So at some point this year, in the in the first half of this year, I'm going to open that up again for people who are looking to switch up their messaging and get themselves out there in a way that feels authentic. Um, then yeah, that'll be uh, yeah, that'll be soon. Hopefully, I can yeah. get sorted out. I still feel get more people nervous. bathing in their expertise. Exactly. Honestly, get yeah. in there, have a splash, get your rubber ducks yeah. in. <laughs> yeah so yeah anyone listening let penny know if you're interested because it's definitely worth it if you want to work on your message in fact i might need to do it again because i've got a change in the business coming Ooh, so, oh and also one of the, i should probably also shout out to um the female copywriters alliance which is run oh yeah the primit so there's a discord um that you can join um if you identify as female and you are um a copywriter freelance copywriter actually is it um i think it's you don't have to be freelance so uh yeah there's a discord channel you can get in there it's a really nice space just to kind of field ideas check out what everyone else is doing just have a chat if you want to have a chat uh yeah she's set up a really nice space for people so and to be honest if you're a writer of any kind because i'm in there <laughs> because yeah. people seem to think i'm a copywriter because i'm surrounded by so many <laughs> Yeah, that's so true. We have a novelist in there as well who's not actually a copywriter, she's a novelist. So, yeah, um, yeah you, a writer of any stripe, you can, yeah. you can you just need to get hold of D uh, Wicked Creative on Twitter or her many channels, and she will add you if you want to join. I'll see if I can get the link and put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's just it's such a nice community, and I found it really, really helpful this year. Actually, it's been yeah, it's been yeah. really helpful. All that kind of imposter syndrome, comparisonitis, what should I charge? All that kind of all those kind of questions that's been around your head. Um, it's been a place to put all of that stuff, and it's been invaluable. So I should definitely mention it. And Dee's an absolute love. She is. So yes. yeah. <laughs> So at the end, do quick fire end questions, which you might have just answered one of these actually. But in the spirit of the freelance community being so amazing, name a freelancer other listeners, uh, our listeners should connect to or follow. Freelancer that our listeners should connect to or follow. Um, I am, I'm going to say D. I know I've already yeah. said it, but I'm going to say D because of the FCA, uh, because of everything she's done, because she's just a really nice, supportive uh, energy to have around. Yeah, she really is. So, yeah, I can't remember. I know it's wicked content. Wicked creative. creative. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Wicked yeah. creative. Uh, but sorry. I can't remember the handles off the top of my head. No, but. I can't. But it, it generally is D wicked creative, I think. Yeah, for, that's I, I never know yeah. people's handles because you're just so used to just organizing oh. content. <laughs> right? exactly. just, yeah, exactly. I've got enough of them myself to try. <laughs> <laughs> so, second one, this might be the same as well, but name a resource, whether it's a book, a podcast, community, whatever, that you find really helpful. Um, I've already talked about the FCA, so I will give a massive shout out to Doing It For The Kids, the Facebook oh, group yes. run by Frankie Tortora. That was, I joined that when I first started freelancing. It has been a godsend. Uh, if you are a freelance working parent, um, then yeah, join the Facebook group. I think it's going to be switched up for 2022. I think she's going to turn into a paid community with, with, and it looks amazing. What she's working on sounds like it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, I give a massive shout out to the community and also the podcast, uh, the Doing It For Kids podcast, which is absolutely hysterical, uh, run by <laughs> Frankie and Steve Bolland. And I just, I love it. I love it. I feel like they're my friends that live in my house. 
um yeah I've listened to every episode which is and that's not like me I don't (laughs) (laughs) people keep recommending it to me and I've never listened to it because I don't have kids and then people keep saying regardless regardless." honestly the podcast is for everyone it's so ridiculous yeah it's so just Frankie and Steve it's it's there you go there was such a good advert for being yourself in yeah. stuff that you put out because that's exactly what they are and they're hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, definitely. It's a massive shout out for Frankie and, and doing it for the kids. Cool. So finally, I'll get you to pick a number. We're down to between 1 and 27 and I'll ask you a question. It might be done since it might be sensible. Who knows? Oh, my goodness. Okay, um, I'm going to go for number 11. Oh. If you were an item of stationery, what would you be? <laughs> um, I'd like to think I'm a stapler because I bring people together. Oh, I like it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what I'd be. I'd have to be the pencil case, I think, just with everything going on in there. Just yeah. shove everything in. Pick out a lucky dip. What we're doing today. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. I think you are a stapler. That's lovely. Oh, I like oh look at that. Boom, straight to it. The last the last couple of questions people have really had to debate and think about for so long. There you go. It's almost like I was waiting for you to ask me that question. It's like you knew. Yeah. Brilliant. Penny the stapler. Penny the stapler. There Got we it. Go. Oh, well, that's there we go. That's been amazing. Thank you. I think so oh, many. Thanks sort of... so much, Helen. Sorry that I've rambled on for so long. Oh God, no, it's probably me that's done the I always waffle but like I say the whole point of this podcast is it's unedited uncensored we have a real conversation authentic that's what it's all about it is it is so no that's been fantastic thank you so much for, for coming on and I'm excited to well for a start see freelancer magazine yeah. and see what's in store for mighty pen this year amazing thank you Helen thank you I hope you've enjoyed this episode and will come back for more. Please do leave a review on your platform of choice and hit subscribe to be notified when the next episodes are available. And sign up to the Last Rung newsletter over at fallingoffladder.com for more tips, inspiration and chats with those who have been there and tested the waters for you. If there's anyone in particular you'd like to hear on this podcast or topics discussed, do let me know and I'll see what I can do. Until next time, have a good week.